The Lord is here. Father, we honor you. We know that you are here. Speak, Lord. Cause your children to hear. Let blind eyes be opened. Let miracles happen. Do that which only you can do, Father. And ultimately, you take all the glory. Precious Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus in this service. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Somebody shout amen. amen. You may please be seated. God bless you. Once again, I want to welcome our first-timers who have come from all the way, from different places. It is very easy to take it for granted sometimes that people come to your church. But as a church family, we don't take it for granted that you're here. You could have chosen to be elsewhere, but you decided to be here, and the Lord brought you here, and that same God will meet you at the very point of your needs in the name of Jesus. Church, I'd like you to help me especially welcome my people. I introduced them earlier at the first service, but I didn't give you a full introduction. I have Dr. David Dajala here, and I have in the making Dr. Gloria Ajala as well. Praise God. They're siblings, so don't think, oh, are they married? No, no. <laughs> They're siblings, and they've come all the way from Ukraine to be here this morning. Praise God. They are my wonderful, wonderful people from way back. We prayed for the church around the world today, especially the persecuted church in Cuba, Ukraine, Russia, the northern Nigeria. I want this to be part of our daily prayer routine. It's a good routine. Some things are routine, but they are good. For example, you brush your teeth. It's a routine. But the day you don't brush, then you'll understand the importance of brushing because it's a good routine. Unfortunately, in Nigeria, prayer has been reduced to asking for bread and butter. And that's why in the church world, there seems to be a lack of power, a lack of the flow of the spirit, because people are so self-centered that they are not praying the way God has prescribed for us to pray. Prayer is not a means to get bread and butter from God. Prayer is when humanity engages divinity to get divine agenda to be done on the earth. Prayer is when you lock hands with God to get God's work to be done in the earth. And let me tell you something, God is not a user. When you work for God and work with God, he will reward you with himself. And when God comes, he doesn't come empty-handed. Can I have an amen? amen? That's the realm where your needs are met. There is a realm where before they call, God said, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, they have their results in their hands. I want to live in that realm, not in the realm of people who are frustrated. They prayed, 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 no answer. They are frustrated praying. Check out what they're praying. Many are so blinded by their personal needs that they don't even see, they don't even care to ask, Lord, what do you care about? What do you want me to pray about? Is there anybody, anybody you want me to pray for? That's why many Christians are so limited 
in their scope, limited in their influence because our prayer is so self-centered. Bless me, I, me, and myself, the ungodly trinity. Bless me and my dog. Bless me and my house. Give me bread. People go to prayer mountain on Monday morning when they should be at work. What are they looking for? Miracles. They are not looking for God. I wish they were looking for God. Prayer meeting, Wednesday morning, when they should be at work. What are they looking for? They are not looking for God, they are looking for miracles. People are seeking the miracles of God. Very few are seeking the God of the miracles. I charge you as young people, don't grow like that. Your parents might have made those mistakes, don't repeat them. I preached a message about five years ago titled, Don't Repeat the Mistakes of Your Parents. Don't. Don't. Do things differently. And see God do for you what you can do for yourself. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, the word of God tells us God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered and still do minister to the saints. When you pray for the Christians around the world, you are ministering to the saints. And God is not unrighteous to forget your work. If God forgets your work, prayer is work. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear me this morning? Prayer is what? Is work. That's why you pray 15 minutes, you fall asleep. Because it's work. The very first phase you need to overcome will be your flesh. Number one is your mind. Your mind, you're praying. I was preaching. I demonstrated this in the saying last Sunday. At the NYC camp. You are here and you are praying. Your mind wants to go to Lagos. You could be right here in Mokola, Ibadan, Nigeria. And your mind is in Brooklyn, New York. Right now. Right now. The first thing to do is to overcome that and bring your mind back. Psalm 16 and verse 8. The psalmist said, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. So the first thing to do is to set the Lord before you. The number two thing you need to overcome is sleep. Somebody say sleep. I know you look very holy this morning. But the truth of the matter is that when we all pray, the first 15, 20, 25 minutes, if care is not taken, you find yourself yawning away. Oh. And if care is not taken, many have succumbed to sleep when they should be praying. The psalmist said, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. There is a sleep of death. Sleeping in war front is a sleep of death. Shelling artilleries are flying across your head and you are sleeping. Huh? The enemy is aiming at you and you are sleeping. There's a time to sleep. The Bible says they that sleep, sleep in the night. There's a time to not sleep. A man that is sleeping when he's not supposed to be sleeping... It's going to be in real trouble. In Proverbs chapter 6, maybe verses 8, 9, 10, it says a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come like an armed bandit. In Nigeria now we understand the meaning of bandit. Verse 11. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. So there is a time to not sleep. So when you begin to pray, when you begin to especially log in, when you log in into the realm of the spirit, one of the enemies you need to overcome is sleep. The Lord took me on a journey yesterday. 
I started praying at 3 p.m. in my office. Been there before 3. Just started praying. La brojo de cale mana Jesus. 3.15, I was feeling sleepy. So I went on my knees. I thought by the time my knees will hurt, the sleep would disappear. At about 3.25, I didn't hear myself praying again. I was the one praying. I was the one observing. So I didn't, the part of me that was observing didn't hear the part of me that was praying anymore. So after what looked like about three minutes, I thought, ah, did I slip off or did I doze off? Anyway, either wasn't good at that time. So I got up. I did some pacing up and down. I said, ah, the same thing I'm teaching. So you want to overcome me? No, I'm going to overcome you. This is not the time to, I didn't come, I didn't leave my house to come and sleep in my office. I left the comfort of my bed. My bed is very comfortable. If you know my bed and you don't know my bed and you don't need to know my bed. Very comfortable. Amen. I can promise you, I'm standing on the altar. My bed is very comfortable. But I left that bed to come to the office to pray. So I had to drive that away. Look, there is serious business here. Lives are on the line. There are people coming to church today who are about to make a decision. And that decision will make a difference in their lives for many, many years to come. It will set them on a new trajectory. So the Lord helped me. That thing left. I went back on my knees. Spent the whole hour on my knees. Three to four. And I thought, okay, by four, I will get up. I had a little biscuit that was for my son. I had a bottle of Maltina in my fridge. I would use that to cool off and then get into the word. But the Lord said, no, I want another hour of prayer. I said, Lord, we just did an hour. He said, I want another hour. I said, okay, you are the Lord. So on my knees, I didn't get up four to five. I said, thank God. At least you know that by five, I need to rest a bit and get my mind ready for tomorrow's services. And when it was about a few minutes to five, the Lord said, I want another hour. <laughs> I said, Lord, what are we really um, talking about? He said, continue to pray. I said, but Lord, you know, so I did another hour, five to six. I said, but Lord, you know that I joined other pastors to pray. We have a group where we pray six to seven every Saturday. So if I, if I miss six to seven, I will do eight, I will do nine to ten. Uh, but I want to do six to seven today. He said, yes, I know. So you join. So I signed in and then I joined with them six to seven. Still on my knees. And then I was done six to seven. I said, praise the Lord. Now I can eat. By that time, my daughter had come to my office, picked the biscuits and left. And as she was leaving, I was still praying. in Lobo Sahala Bahaya <laughs> I, I couldn't speak in understanding. I, hey, drop that biscuit. I, 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 I watched. The Bible said, watch and pray. <laughs> I was watching and praying. She took the biscuit and then the brother, they, they had some argument and then they left my office. I was still praying in the spirit. Six to seven. Six to seven. Then the Lord said to me, I want one more hour. I said, Lord, I've been praying since 3 p.m. He said, yes, now this one hour will be in the church. So thank God at least I, I was able to manage to get off from my, from my knees. Oh my God. Uh, Lord, is it going to be 15 minutes? He said, no, another hour. Seven to eight and it's going to be in the sanctuary. It was a journey. But I can tell you something. I enjoyed that journey. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not to men but to God. Men do not understand him. No man understands you when you prakotekere na mahaladobrehedi yada bahaya. How be it, 
in the spirit in speaking mysteries. Now the next verse, and then the next verse. Verse 3, and then verse 4. I want somebody's life to be, somebody's prayer life to be on a new trajectory from this service. And if you're going to make up your mind to learn to pray in the spirit, then this topic I'm about to share with you, which is joy, the wonder-working power of joy will be your daily experience in the name of Jesus. But he that prophesied speaketh unto men, to edification and exhortation and comfort. So the essence of prophecy is for edification, to build the church of God, for exhortation, to encourage, and then for comfort. Any prophecy that prophesies doom is not a prophecy of the Holy Ghost. Maori, 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 Mahaskahaya. My son, my son, why are you going to Lagos? I see blood, blood on the way. Cast it down in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prophecy is for edification, for exhortation and comfort. Say with me this morning, edification, exhortation and comfort. So when you meet that prophet that normally gives you a prophecy of doom, you need to prophesy to him now. Verse 4. Verse 4 quickly and I stop there. But he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. So edify means to build up. Somebody say build. Now say it like you. You're educated. Say build. Build. Nigerian English, build. Okay, so let's go American now. Build. Let's go British. Build. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue builds himself. But he that prophesies builds the church. There is one thing you can do at will. You can do it anytime. Somebody say anytime. Anywhere. No matter what the circumstance may be. And it is easy to do. And it is free. You can build yourself. One of the things, one of the benefits of speaking in other tongues is that we edify ourselves. And I can edify myself. The word edify sounds old. It is the word build. I will explain it. In the Jewish community, when they want to charge their mobile phones, they say, I want to build my battery. Your battery is low. You want to build it. So when you put your charger and you plug it, the word they use is the same word we use as we call charge. So when we are charging our phones, we're charging the battery of our phone, we are building the battery of our phone. When you mengro hodi kale pote kene mokotala bahande, neshuke prododia, you are charging yourself, your spiritual battery. And you need that for a long time. If you need to stay online or stay alive for a long time. One of the ways we tap into joy is by praying in the Holy Ghost. So I'm, I'm running ahead of myself already. Sometimes joy level can be low. I know it. When you get a bad news, a bad report, an unforeseen event, never planned for it, and it's not a palatable one. Listen, church, the first area, the very first, the very first, the very very first, the number one area the enemy goes to is your joy. 
He likes to tamper with your joy. Nobody gets a damning report from the doctor of a lump in the breast or some casino, what do you call that thing? Casinogenic? Casinoma, thank you. I was looking for that word. Carcinoma, that's cancer. Nobody gets a report of that and then begins to laugh. The usual thing is, what? Cancer is death. So the enemy wants you to cry. Before the people cry over you. But they're not going to cry over you. Can I have an amen? amen? And the only reason you will not cry is if you know who you are in Christ and where you are coming from. This is why I want to do a brief teaching. If you were here at the first service, you heard all of the teaching. I'm not going to go all out again this second service. But I'm going to do a bit of the teaching to know, where you, to know who you are, where you're coming from. To know what the source of joy is so that you can know how to deploy it every time you need it. Amen. When you get such a report, the expectation of the enemy is for you to cry. Because it takes you on a journey to the graveyard. And all of a sudden, within split seconds, you see family members gathered around you. They're all wearing black. And there is a service in church and everybody crying. And before you know it, um, the coffin is there and then the body's been lowered and people are crying. The enemy is a terrible photographer and videographer. He knows how to quickly show those pictures and those video clips. But if you know who you are, regardless, listen, regardless of the situation, regardless of the report that the enemy has presented or that the doctors have presented to you, you can employ and deploy the force of joy against the weapon of the enemy. It is not natural. It is not normal. That is why joy is absolutely different from happiness. Does God want us to be happy? Yes. Happiness is external, but God wants us to be happy. Psalm 128 and verse 2. Whoever is in the computer room needs to be very, very, extremely fast this morning. My time is short and I have to say a lot. Now, for thou shalt eat the labor of thy hands, happy shall thou be. So, God wants us to be happy. Can I have an amen to that? But beyond happiness, there is a force that is seated in our spirit man. That force was born there the day we got born again. The day you met Jesus and made him the Lord of your life, that day joy came into your spirit and since that day it has not left. But whether you now make use of it or not depends on you. You can have it and not use it. Joy is like your ATM card. Grace loads money in your account. Your account is loaded. Your parents have loaded your account with a, with a, a million naira. You need that for school and for sustenance. Now you're hungry and you can't find your ATM card. And in this restaurant, there is no bank transfer. Either you do cash 
or you do POS. Can I ask you, church, do you have money? Are you sure? Do you have money? If you say you are rich, I mean, with a millionaire in Nigeria today, you're, you're rich as a student. Are you rich? Some people are not sure. Are you rich? Do you have money? So is money your problem? Now, do you need to pray for money? No, you don't because you have money. You are rich. Celebrate yourselves this morning. You are very smart students. Praise God. <laughs> but, but, somebody is about to be stranded here. You have money, but no means to use it. It is the picture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is the picture of a Christian who has joy deposited in their spirit but the devil is sitting on them and dancing on them and turning them to a pawn on the chessboard of life. Many Christians today as we speak are depressed. Many say I don't have joy. I don't even know what to do with my life. The future is bleak. No, your future is not bleak. Your future is not outside of you. Your future is within you. Turn your Bible to Luke 17, verses 20 to 21. That is not my text, but I have to go all that route and come back here. Hallelujah. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. And it was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. Then he answered them and said, The kingdom cometh not with observation, neither will they say to you, Lo here or lo there. He said, For behold, the kingdom of God is in Ghana. The kingdom of God is until you get to Canada. The kingdom of God resides in the United Kingdom. Oh no, the kingdom of God is an American citizen. Where is the kingdom of God? Come on, come on church, if you know what you're saying. Where is the kingdom of God? Within you, is inside you. Nobody can steal what is inside you. Joy is in you. No wonder the apostle picked that up in Romans 14, 17. When he said, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but number one, righteousness. Number two, peace. That's shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And number three, joy where? In the Holy Ghost. And where is the Holy Ghost? Oh, come on, come on, make it louder. Where is the Holy Ghost? Oh, he's in Abuja right now. He's so busy, he's attending to the presidential matters. Where is the Holy Ghost? If the Holy Ghost is within you, joy is within you. Can I have an amen? amen. So how can somebody steal what is inside you? I don't, want, I don't want you to steal my joy. No, that's not possible. You can give it up. But for me to steal it is impossible. Joy is not external. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in you. The kingdom of God, the whole kingdom of God, the whole, do you know the name of kingdom of God? The government of God. God is the king and he has the domain. Kingdom is inside you. <laughs> Healing is in you. Wellness is in you. Prosperity is in you. Wisdom is in you. Restoration is in you. Everything that makes up the kingdom of God is 
in your spirit if you are born again. That's why the smartest thing to do, the wisest thing to do in the world is if you are not born again, run to church and be born again. Because the moment you're born again, everything that God has in his kingdom comes into you. You are loaded. You are a kingdom walking on two legs going somewhere to happen. You are not a disaster walking on two legs going somewhere to happen. Are you with me this morning, church? So what is joy? Somebody want to ask. I'm talking about the wonder-working power of joy. That's the title of the message. The wonder-working power of joy. So what is joy? Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. And so I go to my text this morning, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. AMPC. AMPC. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Hallelujah. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Thank you, Lord. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah amen i said join the holy ghost hallelujah where, where is the holy ghost you need to remind yourself in me so where is joy in me somebody say i have joy regardless of what is going on around me what goes on around me does not determine what goes on inside me look look church do you even realize that it is not the water around a ship that sinks the ship as gigantic as the titanic ship was the water around it couldn't sink it it was the water that was able to get into the ship that sank it it is the water that gets into a ship that sinks a ship so you can have trouble all around you but don't let it get on the inside of you because if it doesn't get on the inside of you it can never sink you and i pray in the name of jesus nobody's going down in this church could that be the reason Jesus said in John 14 and verse 1 and in verse 27, let not your heart be troubled. Can I have that on the screen? Do not let your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now give it to me in AMPC. You showed that earlier. Quickly, please. Do not let your heart be troubled, distressed or agitated. Don't let it. Don't let it will trouble come yes will it make an attempt to knock on the door of your heart yes but can it force its way into your heart no but the moment you open your heart to trouble trouble will come in and when trouble comes into your heart that is when you are actually in trouble jesus said let not your heart be troubled verse 27 same thing he repeated in verse 27 yeah quickly quickly john 14 27 Peace I live with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not at, now, lawyers understand the word bequeath. Alright? Not as the word gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Neither let, let them be afraid. He said it in John 14. 1. Follow me church. Follow me quickly. Follow me and follow me. Real good. Real close. In John 14. 1, he said let not your heart be troubled. In the same chapter, verse 27 says, let not your heart be troubled. If the master said something twice, should we take him seriously? It means when our heart is troubled, we are the ones who allow our heart to get that way. The master is saying, you have the empowerment of my spirit to not allow trouble in. Trouble will come. It will knock on the door of your heart. You can have trouble all around you. But it's not the same as trouble inside you. 
the Christian may be surrounded. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. We have this, we have this virtue. We have this treasure, thank you Lord, in an earthen vessel. So that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse, please. Verse 8. He says, we are troubled. Did this say in our heart? Come on, talk to me, church. Did this say in our heart? We are troubled where? On every side. North, south, east, and west. But guess what? We are not distressed. Can I have an amen? Yeah. We are perplexed, right? That's on the outside. But we are not in despair. We are not hopeless. Next verse. Uh-huh. Come on now. Persecuted, but not what? Forsaken. Cast down, but not what? Destroyed. Hallelujah. That is the situation of a Christian. Who understands that joy is on the inside. When the devil slaps me left, right, center, I know what he's looking for. It's not my handsome face he's looking for. It's my joy. He attacks my faith because he wants to get my joy. Because if I give up my joy, I'm going to be weak. It is the joy of the Lord that strengthens your faith. Your faith is the muscle with which you carry things from the realm of the spirit into the physical. Any miracle you desire, you get it by faith. By faith you move mountains. Mark 11, 22 and 23. Jesus returned and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he said yet. Now that's faith. But like we have muscle, you know, you use your muscle to carry things. But when your muscles are flabby, you need to tone them up a little bit. The tonic to tone your muscle, to make it smooth, to make it active is joy. Joy strengthens your faith. A joyless Christian will have a useless faith because your faith will be too weak. To draw anything from the realm of the spirit. Let me run ahead of myself again. I'm, I'm already talking about the benefits of joy. <laughs> let, let me run ahead of myself. Give me Isaiah, Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12 and verse 3. If it's not 12, 3, then it must be 26 and verse 3. Okay, good. It's 12, 3. Therefore, <laughs> with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Ah... I grew up in the hood. Now, love you guys are uh, body children. You, you don't know what a well is. Toby, do you know what a well is? You know a well. This is a bodyjah boy, man. Doesn't know a well. But he says he knows a well. Now, how many of you know what a well is? Yeah, my guys in the hood know wells. <laughs> there is something we normally use to fetch water from the well. It came out as a song some, some years ago. <laughs> you, you know this song? Doro. And then, then there was one Onyebuchi that was always using the Doro. <laughs> in Yoruba language, it's called Doro. Some call it Ifami. In English, they call it Drawer or Fetcher. Now, this generation doesn't know it because everything is automated. You press a button, water gushes out of your bathroom, flushes your stuff. You know, I mean... Sensors everywhere. I, I grew up where I had to fetch water. We didn't have water in our house. 
and not just in our house, in the whole neighborhood, there was no water anywhere. So we had to wake up early to go to where you found it, wherever there was a well, and then you fetch it. Then you go with your fetcher. Because four of us, or sometimes five of us, could be fetching water at the same time. Now, only those who are skillful will have their barriers filled quickly, go home, and dash back and fetch more. Because dry season is approaching. Especially during the dry season. It's a lot of, I mean, we fight. I wish I had my cordless mic. My, all right. I wanted to demonstrate it. You, no, no, no. Guys, you know the way you turn, those of you that grew up in Mokola, the way you turn the door upside down, and then with force, you throw it in. Pa! It makes a sound, and immediately it turns. Am I right? And then you have the full doro, and then pa, 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 pa. Oh my God. And then you throw it again. Pa! You don't just throw it carelessly, it will stay afloat. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Okay, so I have my kind of people here. Glory to God. Can you imagine going to the well and then you left your fetcher at home? And you're, you're not begging your friends. You're begging your neighbors. They won't even listen to you. Omo, everybody needs water. You hear it say I talk. Uh, as I come here, I'm for the sleep for house now. But uh, Omo, Papa go back. Mama go back. Everybody go back. When I finish, I go, I go, I go let. And you are there waiting. Until the level of the water goes so low that you have to now scrap or scratch or scrape whatever is correct. The one that is mixed with sand and mud. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Because of a lack of fetcher. Listen, is anything wrong with you? No. Is anything wrong with the well? No. Do you have a barrel? Do you know what a barrel is? Okay, you don't, they, 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 some of you understand. You know what they call bath? You know our bath? You know bath? So you carry your bath to the conga, to the well. You have a bath. Is there water in the well? Yes. But what is the problem? Lack of doro, lack of fetcher. You don't have a fetcher. So you are there stranded. You are there at the mercy of other people. Begging them. Hoping. Hoping that they would quickly finish. But they are not going to quickly finish. Because their younger ones are bringing more baths from home. But uh, mama say ma, ma carry come. Hmm. He brought four already. The younger brother has brought six. And they have to fill up the six before he can give it to you. By the time he gives it to you, it's already useless. The Holy Ghost showed me that picture. Years ago, I was in a hotel in Lagos. And he showed me. I was in front of my house where I used to live and we had a well, we had a borehole, we had a well as well in the compound and I had my barrel. There was plenty of water in the well. I could see, all right? But then there was no fetcher. He said, so what do you do? You're going to jump into the well? No. I need a fetcher. He said, that's what happens when you are not deploying joy out of the wells of salvation Something is required to draw out wealth, draw out healing, draw out deliverance, draw out salvation, draw out wisdom. The well is called salvation. Draw out wisdom. Anything you need is in the well of salvation. Church, whatever you need this morning, what you need may be different from what I need. But I promise you, whatever you need is in the well of salvation. But it is with joy you will draw. Can you now imagine being joyless? The things you need are staring you in the face. 
You're also staring them in the face. But there's no connection. That is how important joy is in the life of a Christian. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So at salvation, you have it, but it can remain dormant and idle, inactive, and unproductive in your life. If you don't learn, what I'll be teaching you in the couple of weeks to come will be how to deploy joy. I'll talk about the benefits and then talk about how to deploy it. All right? So number one, first of all, what do, what do I need to know about joy? All right, let's even read our text. Come on now, Pastor Fred. <laughs> Galatians 5. I'm so much in a hurry. Galatians 5, 22, AMPC, 22 and 23. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. We are going to have a practical session before we go. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which the presence within accomplishes is love. Somebody say love. Joy, peace, patience, for, uh, well, it's also called forbearance or even temper. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The next one. Gentleness, self-control. Self-control is what some Christians lack. Self-control. On the day they want to fast, they see a plate of food and they can't look away. Say, no, pastor, I really wanted to fast, but they brought, it was beans and plantain. The Lord knows it's my weakness. The day you're fasting, you attend a board meeting, your boss sends you to go and represent him at a meeting or at a conference. And at the conference, they are now serving jollof rice with fried rice and Golden brown chicken, coleslaw by the side, and to top it up, a bottle of Coke. You need self-control on that day. I attended a pastor's conference some time ago in Lagos, and um, it was organized by Pastor E. Adeboe. At the end of the conference, for 1,000 pastors, young pastors like me, I was fasting that day, and at the end of the conference, Pastor Deboe's son came up stage and said that his mother decided to refresh the bowels of all the pastors that were in attendance. It's very painful. <laughs> the package they gave each pastor, but you had to eat it there. It wasn't, a take, it wasn't something you could take away with you. I said, Lord, are we still fasting today? <laughs> I don't want to start describing it, but it was enough of a temptation to say, Lord, I will break this one. If you don't mind, I'm going to fast tomorrow. Because it was a package. I was struggling. So I went upstairs where the pastors were going to be refreshed. What did I go there to do? I just went there to look. And I was looking around. And I saw... So I walked away. I thank God that day that I was able to walk away. I was able to overcome. It's not very easy. But you see, all of these things are loaded in your spirit at salvation. Salvation 
is a complete package. So what do I need to know? What do you need to know about joy? Number one, joy is part of your salvation package. Somebody is part of my salvation package. I did a thorough teaching on this at the dawn service. So if you were not here, go and watch that message on YouTube or on, or on Facebook and see what I said about the salvation package. I can't go all that route anymore. But I want you to know that salvation from the Greek word sozo is a package. It's not an item. We are fixing our gaze on one item. And the only thing that many people, most people think about is the new birth. Being born again. Coming out to say, Lord, I was a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner anymore. Wash me. And I'm fine. No, you are not yet fine. Yes, you are fine. But no, you are not yet fine. God is giving you a total package. Now, I, I painted a picture in the first service. Imagine your uncle in the U.S., in Ohio, sending you a package. And in that package is your iPhone. Which one is the latest now? Educate me a little bit. 13. Is this still 13 Pro Max? 13 Pro Max. They should come out with 14 now. What's their problem? All right, so, so 13 Pro Max, right? I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they should come out. 14, 15, 16, you know, all the vanity. Anyway, the Lord have mercy on you. So you've got the iPhone 13 Pro Max, and then your uncle got a charger with it, all right, to make it complete, and then got you AirPods. AirPods. The type, the type that is heavy. Not the China one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Original AirPod from Apple, and then got you an iPod because you like to listen to podcasts. And then complete the package with an iPad. So you can take that to school. And in fact, remember to hide some $500, fold them together, $100 bill, five of them, fold them together, fold them together, put them in an envelope, fold it in and, you know, fold it and kept it securely and put it in the package. And then sent you the picture of everything in the package. <laughs> and says it's going to arrive in two weeks. Oh my God. Those two weeks are two weeks of praise. Two weeks of joy. Two weeks of expectation. Am I right about that? In fact, you go to bed and say, ah, it should be two weeks already now. What's going on? I mean, DHL. Then you start tracking, tracking, tracking. Okay, now he's in Sri Lanka. I bet leave Sri Lanka, Jerry. Now he's in Kenya. Oh, he's in Mombasa. Oh, now he goes to Cameroon. What's he doing in Ouagadougou? Come to Nigeria. Now he's in charge. And then finally it arrives. And then DHL knocks on your door. And then you are glad to receive the package. And the guy gets on his uh, bike and zooms off. Thank you. Then you take the package and you first of all read the address of your uncle. Okay, it's from the US. All right. You peel off the seal. Then you open the paper pack and you bring out, there's another nylon pack inside. <laughs> Check it out. And then you just... And the only thing there is the charger. He shook you. <laughs> what on God's green earth happened to my package? And you called the DHL officer and said, No, as we received it, now so we deliver. What? That's the day that we know you can speak pigeon. The day they brought it, it were very nice. We were speaking Queen's English. Una, 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 una well. Una don't see wala before. 
charger. How many of you will be satisfied with the charger? Because at least it will help you charge your old phone. Your old iPhone doesn't have a charger. At least this one, let me settle for it, is enough. Anybody? Anybody here? Let me see the righteous people. Anybody here who will just be satisfied? Okay, let's not say it's the charger. Let's say it's the phone. Just the phone. No charger, no iPod, no money, no iPad, nothing. Just the phone. Just the phone. Anybody, you'll be satisfied. One person will be satisfied. Two people. Where is my $500? Where is my iPad? Where is my airport? Where, where are my airports? I, I, are you kidding me? You just want to give me the phone? It doesn't even come with a charger. The phone is without a charger. Will you be satisfied? Let's be real. You won't be satisfied. How come people are satisfied only with the new birth? Delivered healing, delivered restoration, delivered wisdom, delivered prosperity. You can't talk about those things. They say you're carnal. Just let me born again and go home. Let me born again and go to heaven. When we all get to heaven, we'll be all right. God wants you to be all right right here. How sweet will it be, baby, if the anointing of healing comes on you and a child is having convulsion in your neighborhood and you're just passing by and you say, come on, what is that? Shandoboha, hand me the child. And you take the child and you say, now devil, take your dirty hands off of this child and go. Boom. And the baby comes alive. And it's well. Would that be sweet? I know people who are in debilitating, even terminal conditions right now in the hospital. And I'm praying with them. I've visited some, and I, some I've prayed with over the phone. Ah, and I'm saying, Lord, let the healing power flow. Somebody's lungs just collapsed. Can we pray? And they receive a new, brand new, brand new lung. Can I tell you something? The ministry of Jesus is still healing till today. Part of the redemption package is restoration. Restore. I taught use of English for over 10 years, so I love use of English and I love to play with words. Restore means it was in store before, then it was taken out of store. And God says, I'm going to put it back in store. Whatever. And listen, I'm, I'm closing pretty soon, but get this. This is a very, very key moment. Whatever was in store in your life before, which the enemy came and stole, God is able right now to restore it. Did you hear what I said? In the healing ministry of Jesus, there was a category of people called the lame, some the blind, some the halt, some the mute, some the maimed. What does this mean? The maimed, let me show you a scripture, then I come to it. Matthew 15, 30 and 31. Matthew 15. And a great multitude came to him, bringing with them the lame, the maimed, the blind, the dumb, and many others. And they put them down at his feet, and he cured them. Verse 31. Verse 31. So that the crowd was amazed when they saw the dumb speaking, 
The dumb couldn't speak before, now they are speaking. The maimed made whole. What does this mean? Don't just read the Bible in a hurry and run away. Some people went to Jesus' meeting with one leg. They didn't have the other leg. Maybe by accident it got cut off. In his meeting, that cut off leg grew back. That is the meaning of the maimed. So if you know anyone that needs a body part, they qualify. If Jesus ever made whole the maimed, then he's still doing it now. Because according to Hebrews 13 and verse 8, Yeshua HaMashiach, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever he did then, he's still doing right now. D did you get what I said? Somebody needs a heart. Can you receive it now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Somebody needs a brand new eye. Can you receive it now in the name of Jesus? There are body parts in heaven. Brand new. I have not been there. I have read books upon books that testified of the fact that God has a storehouse, a warehouse guarded by mighty angels where there are body parts for believers who can trust God to get them back here on earth and use them. You don't need them in heaven. You need them here. You need them here. If by virtue of surgery, you've lost a body part before or an organ, you can get another one. Don't ask God how he's going to do it. Believe him. Go to bed. Wake up and you'll find what God has done. I saw the testimony of a pastor here in Nigeria. I have many American examples, but let me use the one in Nigeria. Who did a surgery. He was shot in the arm by armed robbers. So they flew him to India. And he had a replacement, elbow replacement. The serial number of that part was inscribed on it. And the name of the surgeon and the date of the surgery. When he came back to Nigeria, he continued to serve as a pastor. But every time that, that elbow hurt him, really hurt, because it wasn't the original. One day the Lord ministered to him and said, I love the way you are serving me. That was all the Lord said. Ah, may God reward you with himself. When God rewards, he will do what will beat the smartest doctors in the world to the utter consternation of the doctors even of your parents God will do what only he can do. This man went to bed I saw not that I was told, I saw the artificial I saw the video of the artificial this man went to bed as a normal human being just going to bed woke up the next morning and found that artificial elbow next to him on his bed in Nigeria. There was no blood. There was no trace. There were no traces of incision or, or surgical openings. <laughs> he just woke up. He found that body part. Then he found that the pain was gone. An angel came in the night and did a surgery on him. An angel of the Lord. Do you realize, baby, that we have angels? So when you were a child, you had an angel. Now you are grown. Where has your angel gone to? 
It's gone on holiday. Hebrews chapter 1, verses verse 14. Verse 14. Verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are the heads of salvation? Let's see it in AMPC. Are not the angels all ministering spirits ministering? Ministering. They minister. And their spirits. Now, servants sent out in the service of God for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation. Have you inherited salvation yet? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Then you have angels. And you are entitled to the ministry of angels. My life has been rescued about four times through the ministry of angels. Face to face with death. One of them accident. I mean, my left leg was under a bike. The bike was on the leg. The bike man was on the bike. 2016 January, 20, 24th, 25th, 26th, there about in Oli Estate. We were under a moving trailer. I saw right after Christ Ambassadors College, just right after, I was going to Solam Event Center, I had a business meeting. Just right after that school, there's a hospital to the right, right just right after that hospital. The, the wheel, this was a 16-wheeler trailer. The wheel was rolling, it was fully loaded, so it couldn't run. It was ascending the hill, but it was still moving. I saw the wheel rolling. I said, well, thank God my head is not under. It's just my leg. I struggled to remove my leg. My leg wouldn't come out because the bike was on my leg, and the bike man was on the back, and it wouldn't get up. I didn't know why. So as the wheel got close to my leg, I closed my eyes to get ready for the worst pain of my life. I did my teeth like this already. Ah, I just got ready. I just got myself ready. Because I had struggled in my strength. It wouldn't come out. So, get ready. It's just the leg. You are still alive. I stand before God. I lie not. My leg those of you who play football can relate. My leg flew out like somebody, we call it tapping. You know when you want to play corner kick? And then you go to the corner, you put the ball there. And then all your bodies are there, they're waiting. And then you just tap it like this and then it goes up like a projectile. It was like somebody just tapped my leg, this left leg, and it just came out. Bah! And landed right in front of me. Lord, what is this? I was ready for the worst pain of my life. The bike man died right there. He didn't even make it to the hospital. I ran to the hospital to get help for him. He didn't make it. Right on the spot. Somebody says there are no angels. You don't know what you're talking about. This is part of the salvation package. Because they are sent to assist, to minister for the heads of salvation. Look, if you are not born again this morning and you come to church, please stop deceiving yourself. You are cheating yourself out of the blessings of God. The greatest thing that can happen to anybody is to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? To surrender to him. You are losing a lot outside of him. So what happens at salvation? 
Galatians 5.22. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It comes in at salvation. Because the Holy Spirit comes in at salvation. Amen? Amen? Mm. Restoration. Healing. Wisdom. Abundance, which is called prosperity. All of them. Now they say, don't talk about prosperity. Don't talk about prosperity. Hey, do you have bills to pay? Hello? Do you have bills to pay? How romantic is it when you are not able to pay your bills? When the landlord brings a notice to quit because your parents are not able to pay house rent. Is it funny? When you have school fees to pay and then your parents are saying, well, um, we have not been paid. Um, we, are, we are still trying. Is it funny? Jesus paid for it all. So don't take one and run off. Take everything. And everything is in the well of salvation. Amen? Oh, come on, church. Are you still with me this morning? I said everything. If you're a student this morning, you need your postgraduate admission or you need a scholarship, is in the well. You're of marriageable age, you need a brother or you need a sister, they're in the well. They are not in the physical well, they're in the well of salvation. And what you need to draw that thing out, to draw whatever out, is joy. Somebody say joy. Number two. I move on quickly. What do I need to know about joy? Like every other fruit of the Spirit, it must be cultivated and released. Joy must be cultivated and released. Don't let it just sit down there in your reborn spirit, idle, while the devil just throws all manner of thrash at you. And you just wallow in self-pity and depression. You wonder why many born-again children of the Most High God are depressed. It should never be in our kingdom. Did you hear what I said? It should never, depression should never be heard amongst us in our camp. No. It's an aberration. It's an anomaly. For the Holy Ghost to be in us and depression to be in us at the same time, they don't dwell together. They are two immiscible liquids. If you did chemistry, you don't mix water and petrol. They don't mix. You don't even need to do chemistry before you know that. Depression? No. You have joy. So cultivate it and release it. It's a mighty weapon that disarms and mesmerizes the enemy. Huh. It, mess, it messes up the enemy. Philippians 4.4, no wonder the, Paul the apostle told us to rejoice always. He said again, I say rejoice. Why? It disarms the enemy. It messes up the enemy. Let me demonstrate it. When somebody walks up to you and says you are stupid, they are fighting you, they want to fight you. Maybe you are just driving on the road and then they drove roughly and then you try to say, ah, come on, why now, why would you do that? I say, you're, you're, you're crazy. They say that to you. They expect you to also say, you are mad. It's normal, this is Nigeria. Then they say, your father. Then you say, your grandfather. Then they say, your mother. I say, your grandma and your auntie. Ah! I can joke with anybody, not my grandma. That my auntie that I did not mention. In fact, your father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, everybody's crazy. Then you now say, okay, your whole lineage. 
plus all your ancestors, they are mad. Ah, you know, if that banter does not stop, you will engage in a brawl. Because somebody will say something that will touch. You know, there are some stories, they call stories that touch the heart. But can you imagine a scenario where someone says, you are crazy. I mean, you are mad. And you look at them. God bless you. Did you hear what I said? I said, they won't be able to say it again. I said, you were, you were. It messes them up. They're expecting the negative from you. But you throw out the positive. When the devil comes and says, you're going to die, you're not going to make it to your 30th birthday. What he expects is to sit down. To wallow in self-pity and then begin to mentally prepare for your funeral. But when you get a report, whether from the devil or from anywhere, that says you are not going to be 30 and it looks funny to you. You make it look funny. Naturally, it's not funny. But make it funny. And you respond with joy. You go on the inside of your spirit and release the force of joy. Knowing that you are coming from salvation, you know who you are in Christ. <laughs> The devil said, are you all right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> excuse me, please. <laughs> um, it happened between Papa Kenneth Hagin and, and Satan. It was, God raised him. He had a heart condition. And... The doctors gave up on him. He was going to die. But at 19 or so, the Lord, 17 or 19, the Lord raised him from the deathbed. So the devil came again another time with the same symptoms of the heart condition. So the devil said to him, now you have the condition. This time you are not going to be healed. Mark the words of the devil. He said, this time you are not going to be healed. So Papa again started laughing. Laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. The devil said, why are you laughing? He said, because you said I'm not going to be healed. He said, yes. This time, you are not going to be healed. Then he laughed and laughed and laughed. Why is this guy laughing? I said you are not going to be healed. He laughed. At, why are you laughing at me? I'm laughing because you said I'm not going to be healed. If I say to you now, church, you will say, Pastor Fred is cursing us. You are not going to be healed. Nobody said Amen. Do you know what I just said? It's like saying to myself, you are not going to be Fred. I am Fred already. You are not going to be healed. You are healed already. Amen. You, you are not of the stock begging God for healing. No. You are the healed of the Lord whom Satan is trying to make sick and you're not going to buy what he's selling. Are you with me this morning? We are already healed. Can I have an amen? Yeah. 
We are not going to be blessed. We are already blessed. Amen. Amen. We are already highly favored. Amen. That's who we are. Finally, he got up and said, Mr. Devil, I know you are not educated. Let me read the Bible to you. Because the devil reads the Bible, but he reads it upside down. So Papa Hagen went to 1 Peter 2.24. He who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you, the KJV, 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 give me KJV, before we come to AMPC. By whose stripes you were, you were healed. You were, you were, were, sounds like past. You were healed. Isaiah looked into the future. Isaiah 53 verse 5 and prophesied. By stripes you were healed. In First Peter, Jesus already came here. He already went to the cross. And this is a done deal. And Peter said, by whose stripes you were healed. And if you were healed, you are healed right now. Amen. I was named Fred. I am still named Fred. I am never going to pray, Lord, make me Fred. I'm Fred already. Some things we should be giving thanks for, we are begging God for. May the Lord damage our ignorance in the name of Jesus. If there's anything that needs to be damaged, it's our ignorance. Papa Hagen laughed and laughed. He read that scripture to him. Now he said, now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you take your dirty hands off of my body and get out <laughs> off he went glory to God does God love Hagen more than you can I ask you a religious question does God love Jesus more than you only those who have been coming to Bible study can answer that question if you have not been coming to Bible study may the Lord have mercy on you in the name of Jesus does God love Jesus more than you does God love Jesus his son more than you I know some of you are not, uh, yes, and uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, sir. Uh, and, uh, everybody say no. So, Mizu, I join. No, sir. Let me give you the scripture. John 17, 23. Quickly, write it down. John 17, 23. John 17, 23. This was the longest prayer Jesus prayed for the church. And Jesus said, I in them and thou in me, and that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as you have loved me. You have loved them. Who are the them? Shouted, who are the them? Jesus was talking to the Father. He said, I want them to know that you have loved them as you have loved me exactly the way you love me. He doesn't love Jesus more than he loves Gloria. Hallelujah. He doesn't love Jesus more than he loves Tinuke. Hallelujah. He doesn't love Jesus more than he loves Fred. He loves Fred the same way he loves, with the same intensity with which he loves Jesus. That's why you don't mess with me. Because the way God loves me, that intensity is strong. Sometimes I say, Lord, why do you love me so much? I don't know about you. I can't speak this for you. But I'm, I'm saying it for myself. That when they come against me, they fall before my face. And I say, Lord, I, don't, I, I got to a level. I don't even fight. I don't, God, because God told me some time ago, if you fight for yourself, I'm going to fold my hands. I said, Lord, it's better for you to fight. So I keep my focus on the assignment. And guess what? It's not only for me, it's for you as well. So you should rejoice. Paul the apostle said rejoice. Again I say rejoice. Can we learn a little from Paul the apostle and close the service right here? This man telling us to rejoice. Did he go through anything? It's easy for him to say rejoice. Maybe he was an apostle. 
He had a visitation of the Lord. He was riding his camel taka, 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 on the way to Damascus. God slapped him. Pah! He fell down. He became blind. His eyes got open. God gave him revelation. Guy, it's easy for him. Let's see how easy. Go to first, Second Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.8. Let's see how easy the journey of Paul, the apostle, was. Everybody, now, no, it's a dangerous time to sleep. I hope I don't catch anybody sleeping. Please, 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 please. Just give me 10 minutes and I'll be out of your faces. For we would not have you, brethren, ignorant of our success, uh, of our, our progress that came to us in Asia. This is not a good confession, Paul. Trouble! He said, brethren, brethren, we will not have you ignorant, oh, we will tell you the truth, oh. Of our T-R-O-U-B-L-E, which came to us in Asia. What? Paul, a man of faith, confessing trouble. No, he wasn't confessing trouble. He was reporting what happened. Look what he said. He said that we were pressed. We were pressed out of measure. They were pressed down. And it was too much. Above strength, they couldn't bear it anymore. In so much that we even despaired of life. We thought we were actually going to die. We thought it was the end. We despaired of life. But well, hmm. verse 9, verse 9, quick, real quick, please. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. I will explain that. That we should not trust in ourselves but in the, in the, in the God which raises the dead. He said we came to a point where we died in ourselves. We knew that if we ever made it out alive of this situation, it must be God who brought us out. As for us, we have done everything humanly speaking, humanly possible to do, but we know that there is no solution in sight. They came to that point. Every Christian must come to a point where you say to yourself, God, if you don't help me, I will be ashamed. It is you and no other person. It is you and you alone. I have come to, now I have a sentence of death in myself. Myself cannot help me. When they came to that point, verse 10 now happened. Verse 10, quick, real quick, real quick, verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we now trust that he will yet deliver us. Before they came to that point, he delivered them. They believe now and they say, look, we still trust that he will deliver us. In 2 Corinthians 4, we are still in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 9, we read that earlier. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Why? Because Paul understood the place of joy. That you can be troubled on every side, but you don't have to be distressed in your heart. Because trouble around you does not mean trouble inside you. So don't allow it to get inside you. Move on from that chapter. Go to 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. Let's take it from verse 3. And all the way to verse 13. Let's read it. Let's see the journey of Paul. Paul that said rejoice always. Was it because he had it rosy? Everything was fine. That was why he said rejoice. Pastor, you can preach like that because you have a car. You have a wife. You have children. You live in a fine house. You have, you have, you have. <laughs> I wish you knew. I wish you saw the sleepless nights. I wish you knew the, the travails of a pastor many times. I just gave you an instance yesterday that Holy Ghost just took me on a ride. It was a journey. 
Oh boy, when you pray in tongues for five hours, for 15 minutes, you know it's not a joke. You know there are times you think you have prayed for one hour. All for you to check the time and it's only seven minutes. It can be very annoying. As in, you have cursed all the demons in your father's house. You have roasted them. You have bound them. You have eaten them. You are shagadora kupata kulebe saka. In fact, you are not just saying it. You are also physically demonstrating shambraka burakeke gugusha. In your mind, one hour. Then when you check the clock, you feel like sharing the grace all by yourself. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Alright. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Next verse. See Paul. Paul was talking to us. He said, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience, yes, quickly. In afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Is this saying in enjoyment? Does distress sound like Enjoyment. Church, talk to me now. In stripes, they beat him. In imprisonment, from Agodi prison, to Nyanya prison, to Kuje prison. Some people would have said, look, is it by force that somebody should be a minister of God? I'm a lawyer. Let me go and practice my profession. Kilo day. Having given my life to Christ now, from prison to prison, wait, 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 wait. What did I do? His wife would have said, Oga, close the church, please. The children don't know you. They are growing up to see their father in prison, from prison to prison. In fact, some brethren would have gathered around Paul to say he had an ancestral cause. Why must your own ministry be going from prison to prison? America, you are not going. UK, you are not going. Canada, you are not going. It's Nigerian prison. Oh Lord. In stripes, in imprisonment, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Uh-huh. Please go, 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 go. System, go, please. Oh Lord, have mercy. When you get to him, go and read the rest. Now, let, let's read Second Corinthians, still Second Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 11. Chapter 11. And we're going to be in verse 22 because I'm going to stop now. Verse 22. 2 Corinthians 11, from verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure. They beat this guy. They beat Paul. In prisons more frequent. When some pastors are more frequent in hotels... Paul was more frequent in prisons. Ha! In death, often, he faced death. In fact, in one place, they beat him to stupor. They thought he had died. They left him. They thought, oh, he was already dead. After they all left, he got up, went back to the city, and continued preaching. What manner of human being is this guy? He was an enigma. If that happens in our days, I tell you, in this church, we'll gather together and say, let's pray for Pastor Fred. Something's wrong with this ministry. Something's wrong with their... Maybe he has entered into sin. Let's, let's pray for him. <laughs> How can they be beating Pastor? For what now? Continue. Verse 24. Of the Jews, 
Five times received I 40 stripes. Save one. 39 stripes. Lay man. 39. Oh, yeah. Lie down. Peer, 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 peer. They gave him 39. One time he left. At least he has left. It happened again the second time. It happened again the third time. It happened again the fourth time. It happened again the fifth time. Five times. There must be a generational curse. There must be some witches in his family. No. No. It was for the sake of the gospel. This gospel we have today came by the blood of Jesus and the blood of many saints who have gone ahead of us. Let us not trifle with the Bible. This Bible we throw around now like it doesn't matter. Some Christians don't even have one. Some people paid with their blood for us to have it. Now we have it, we don't even read it. One pastor in the UK, he was doing a video, trending video. He was throwing stuff on the chair. Threw his designer shirt, his designer belt, designer glasses, designer phone, then Bible. Bible? The Holy Bible? I wasn't surprised. The same pastor went to a nightclub to... So spray David Doe money. <laughs> I do not understand the communion that light has with darkness. I do not understand the fellowship of Christ with Belial. So those of you who go to club and go to church, you are only confusing yourself. If you want to go to club, go to club. If you want to be in church, be in church. You cannot last by serving two masters. You will expire. I will have the drama dramatize this someday. You will have one master here, another master here. You got a job with this one. He gave you the terms and conditions. You said that money is not enough. You went to get another job and then gave you terms and conditions. Then while you are working for this one, that one calls you. Your name is Joseph. Joseph! He said, excuse me, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, madam. I'm here. Have you washed my plates? Okay, I'll go and wash them now. While washing plates, the other master calls you. Joseph! Yes, sir! Uh, sir, have you washed my car? Uh, I will wash it now. My friend, go and wash the car, John. He goes to wash the car. Madame calls him, Joseph! Yes, ma! Yes, ma! At some point in the drama, the two masters will be calling him at the same time. Joseph, 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 Joseph. Yes, ma! Yes, sir! Yes, ma! Yes, sir! Yes, ma! He will quench. That is what happens to people who are one leg in Christ and one leg in the world. If Paul was like that, the gospel would not have reached us today. But in spite of all that he went through, he still told us to rejoice. Look what he said. He said five times, I got beaten by the Jews. What verse am I in? 20, 24. Now verse 25. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Rods. This is not cheap. Once was I stoned. Stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A shipwreck back in the day is like plane crash today. Three times. He said the night and the day I have been in the deep. In the deep waters. In the oceans. Where feet may fail. <laughs> For the sake of the gospel. 
He said in journeys, often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the unbelievers, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, fake people in church. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must need glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. I do not lie. Verse 32. In Damascus, see what he said. The governor under Arethas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison. He monitored, he manned Mopo, mobile, mobile police officers around the city, desirous to arrest me. He wanted to apprehend, to arrest Paul. He said, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hand. Some brethren put him in a basket and they opened the window and let him down. They dare not throw him. He would die. They had to let him gradually down for the sake of the gospel. And in spite of all that he went through, he came back to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say, rejoice.